lovely notes of Giuseppe Verdi. Mean time for another edition of Serie A Sit Down. World Football Index's podcast on Calcio told like it is and at the highest level. Frank Ravello here. Joining me as always, uh, co-host of the Serie A Sit Down, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing tonight? We're, I'm doing really well, but you have some very, uh, very important news to share with uh, with our six listeners. <laughs> six listeners indeed uh it's true uh i my wife and i are actually expecting a baby uh end of august so i'll soon be joining the father club like uh you two gentlemen oh congratulations congratulations and uh and yeah in, in, enjoy it and uh take it uh, my 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 first my first bit of wisdom to offer you right now get load up on sleep <laughs> as much as you can, but let me also give you a let me also clue you on a little something. As much sleep as you will load up on, it's not going to work. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. will you will be sleep deprived. It's just gonna you know you can just get up with the baby, uh, you know feed the baby, and then you know maybe watch a watch it watch a Serie A game, uh, you know, or watch. I wasn't actually I wasn't sure I wasn't positive that, that was the result, and then uh, I actually saw Gianluca De Marzio tweeted out that it was confirmed. So I am definitely having a kid. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go. I guess we got to go through DiMarzio for everything. <laughs> so uh, we do have a guest this week on the Serie A sit down joining us. He's a freelance freelance journalist covering Italian football. He has appeared on uh, at official AS Roma at Euro Fantasy Game and more. He is the editor of at AS Roma Press and earning his third cap uh, on the Serie A sit down. John Solano joining us. Ciao, John. Hey, guys. Glad to be back. And you got any? Uh, you're a father yourself. Any uh, any wisdom to impart on uh, Richard as a daddy to be? Um, start start learning how to function on four to six hours of sleep. Um, <laughs> find the darkest roast of coffee you can find, and uh, get some good wine for night. <laughs> I do have the wine. I do have the wine. But there you go. It's a good cycle. <laughs> it is. It's a good cycle. Now, John, this is your third appearance um, on on the Serie A sit down, and um, this is and and this is weird. Um, each time we've had you on, we've had you on following a Roma loss, and I, I want you to understand. Let's. I want to get this out in the clear. When I invited you, or when I called you to guest on this podcast, this was not a premeditated disposition. There was sure. No- there's, there was no agenda say. on my part to get you on, knowing that if I get you on and you agree to do it, that locks up a Milan win over Roma. <laughs> don't don't message me before the der- uh, the derby with Lazio, though. <laughs> Fair enough. I think what we'll do, I think next time we have you on is when they're playing Benevento or somebody. Like that's that. uh, that's fine. I can live with that. <laughs> so we can lock that down. No, there was no truth to the rumor that I did this on purpose to try to uh, to try to have the karma going a little bit more Milan's way. So. Um, but I just happened to realize that you know what? I, every time we have Solano on, it's after a Roma loss. We gotta we gotta reverse this here pretty soon. <laughs> so, fingers crossed for the next yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. And we're gonna talk about that uh, Roma Milan game. I'm sure you know plenty of talking points for all three of us. Uh, you know, as as it related to that game. But I want to rewind back to uh, Wednesday, um, Champions League leg one in the Ukraine at the uh, Medalist uh, Stadion in Kharkiv. I, why doesn't Shakhtar have their home games at the Donbass anymore? I thought they used to do that. It's, you know, maybe one of our Richard, one of the Ukrainian guys on World Football Index can fall can uh, uh, can shed some light on that if they're listening to this. But anyway, uh, Champions League Roma made the trip to the Ukraine to take on Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, fielded a relatively strong side by what I could see. 
Uh, and uh, a, a game that, uh, you know, looked like, uh, you know, Shakhtar was, start, was establishing a little bit more possession. Roma was okay with letting them have a little bit more. Uh, when Roma, you know, had their opportunities, they, 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 looked, they looked good. Uh, and uh, just four minutes before ha- four minutes before halftime, a nice little link up between Aiden Jekyll finding Chenji's Undia, and then that guy is just that guy has been scoring goals like they're going out of style. He adds another one uh, to give Roma a precious away goal, um, putting Roma ahead one nil. That would be short lived as in the second half, just uh, seven minutes after halftime, uh, Ferreira equalizes. Uh, for the Ukrainian champions, and then a free kick from Fred in the 71st minute uh, gives Shakhtar the 2-1 uh, advantage heading into the second leg when it heads to the Olympico here in a couple of weeks. Now, John, let me uh, just start with a general question here. Uh, you typically, you, you, you go away to you go away to the Ukraine. It's always going to be a tough ask, um, you know, regardless of the opponent. Um, you know, I, I don't think Eusebio Di Francesco and co. are going to be bothered by this result terribly. The away goal is going to be a big help for the second leg. But you being a Roma supporter, what did you make of the match? Yeah, you know, as far as the result goes, um, I was seeing a lot of hyperbole, particularly on social media and even even some of the papers, like Gazeta dello Sport. They really made a little more of it than what I think it really was. I actually don't think the result was that bad. Um, yeah. I mean, they hammered Napoli. They beat Manchester City. Now, granted, it wasn't their full strength side, um, but they beat them both in the group stage. So just taking that, if if you just take it on the surface, I don't think the result was that bad at all. For me, the most concerning was obviously the performance. Um, you know, if they continue to perform in the manner in which they have over the last couple of weeks, actually a couple of weeks um, since mid-November, um, they're going to get knocked out. That's <laughs> just the, the short and sweet of it. They, um, they're they not performing well, but if they can somehow really just turn their fortune over the next couple of weeks here, then they're going to give themselves a chance. Uh, they really need to, should have made more of the, the first 45 minutes. They were much better than Shakhtar in that opening half. Um, they, they could have definitely added another goal. Now, the mentality really dropped off in the second half, which was really, really concerning. They looked like they were dead in the water. and Once Shakhtar got the equalizer, they had no response whatsoever. They almost just turned it off. So that's concerning. But as a whole, I mean, two to one away, I mean, you know, um, I'd rather be in this position than what Juve are in, quite frankly. Um, okay. Juve, Juve, you know, they drew it home. Now they have to go away. And obviously win. So, um, you know, that away goal is crucial in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Hey, John. So I, I know many Roma fans were panicking when they were, you guys went down 2-1 uh, to Shakhtar. Frank and I were talking about this, you know, a couple pods ago. And we were saying if, if, if Roma can come out of this with, a, with an away goal, that's going to be huge. Yes, you want to get a result or a, a win or a draw, but an away goal is going to be big. What, do you, what are you expecting out of Roma in order to win uh, in the return leg? They really have to go for it. The problem with them is once they score a goal or even two, they really turn it off, um, which is they have a huge mentality problem right now. They just lack personality. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the majority of that is down to the manager. Uh, frankly, I think Di Francesco is 
this may be a little harsh, but I've been watching Roma um, close to tw- a little over 20 years. Uh, um, he may be one of the worst managers they've had in that time. <laughs> it's it's really, really concerning just how tactically inept he is. Um, and as far as like a man manager, he's no Conte. He doesn't get the guys fired up whatsoever. So uh, they're going to have to flip that entirely. They can't they can't slag off um, for 45 minutes. They can't let their heads drop like they did the entirety of that second half. Um, they're going to have to stay on the entire match, which Di Francesco has been saying the last two weeks now in his press conferences, but um, they haven't really shown that. So if they can find a way to get over that, then I think, I, I mean, if we just take it player for player, I mean, Roma is stronger. I mean, that's Absolutely, no, right. I don't think anybody would argue against that. The problem is, um, Shakhtar have a better manager. Tactically, he's far more well-drilled than Di Francesco. Um, and they have the speed and sort of the uh, technical flair right. um, just because they have that, you know, South American contingent there. But, I mean, player for player, I mean, Roma are far stronger, but um, you know, when you have a manager who's really not up for it, you're you're you know you're starting a match at a disadvantage. Yeah. Um. Just a just a just a fun one uh, for me, and I, I think I I tweeted you about this a couple of times. Uh, Florenzi was questionable with intestinal problems. I, I, this is just for this is just for pure humor. Um, <laughs> so. I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, he ended up starting, and Roma wore all white. And I just sat there and I said, "God forbid, if this is this, this might be the one opportunity I'm going to watch live TV, and a player is going to shit himself on the pitch." Hey, he, <laughs> and he's wearing all they, and he's wearing all white. <laughs> so. Well, that would be anything far more productive than he's done in the last three to four months. Um, <laughs> genuinely, um, I mean, I, I've seen various websites who do, you know, team of the season. I mean, I saw Florenzi in some people's uh, team of the season halfway through, um, and my jaw almost dropped. I, I just, uh-uh. um, he's, he's terrible right now. He's not a right back. He can't defend. Um, now, granted, everyone blames, you know, he's being played out of position, which, you know, I'm, I'm willing to listen to, but. Um, Rudy Garcia put him in this role roughly four years ago. He started putting him there in the 2014-2015 season. Um, I don't know how in almost four years you still don't even have remotely close to the ability to cross a ball. His defensive positioning is horrendous. Um, and he's asking for he, he's 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 closing in on a contract renewal, and I I just shudder that they're going to do the same thing with him that they did with dead Aussie where he's playing terrible. He's Roman. And just by that token, we're going to give you outrageous wages simply because of that. He's not, um, he's, I hate to say it. This is really harsh, but he's just not a good player. I, Mm. I think he's been really overrated. Um, is there a position you see him excelling at? Because frankly, I don't think he's going to take a position away from Cengiz Under or, or El Sharawi up up top. So, do you think him in the midfield will be ideal for him? Or I, I absolutely <laughs> think unequivocally he's a midfielder. His best season was under Zeman, uh, his first year in Serie A in 2012-2013. Um, that was by far his best season. Uh, maybe not from a goal standpoint, but from a you know just a pure production standpoint He's, right. he was far better there when he was playing in that 4-3-3 um he was playing on the left side with Dorossi in the middle 
I, I think that's his role. Um, but I, the problem is, it, it doesn't matter if I think that's his role. We've now had one, two, roughly three managers who haven't put him in that role. So they're, they're seeing him on a daily basis. So clearly they don't think he's, that's his role because it's been four years. Someone would have put him there by now and they would have bought it right back to, to fill in. Now, granted, they bought Bruno Perez, who's just in his own regard, horrible. Um, but I mean, it's been four years. They haven't bought anyone to, to replace him there. So clearly, uh, Roma don't feel the same way as I do, but. Um, he, he's just terrible. Um, if he moved on in the summer with half these players, I, I wouldn't bet an island, but he's Roman, uh, Romanista. So just by that, um, the club, um, they're always a hostage to these emotions and they do stupid things and they're, they're going to do it with him. They're going to give him a new contract. He's going to get just stupid wages that he doesn't deserve. And we're just going to have to stomach it and, we saw what happened with Dodossi when that happened. He was the highest wage earner in Italy for two or three seasons until Iguain came. I think it was Iguain who overtook him. Um, they, they're going to do it again with him, and you know, it's going to. At some point, it's going to mess up their wage bill like it did with Dodossi. So, um, if he were to move on again, I, I wouldn't care. But I, I know it, it's not going to happen. What I want, they this club must know what I want because they do the exact. <laughs> it um every summer <laughs> yeah richard this is richard richard this is relatively similar to the pain that we felt uh when uh montalivo at 31 was extended but pirlo at yeah. 31 was not <laughs> correct so, <laughs> so we we kind of feel your pain there john <laughs> so. yeah and it's really you know um the club doesn't win a lot so you know anytime they get a homegrown player who breaks through the ranks uh, i mean obviously fans embrace them and, and actually I, i've sort of seen a turning of the tide um a little bit people are really fed up with dodossi um i mean i've been fed up with him for six seven years now he's he's done he's been done um I mean, the last good season he had was 2009-2010. Um, I mean, he should have moved on years ago. When they had that offer from uh, Manchester United and even Manchester City came in for him, um, they should have moved on from him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with Florenzi, it just it's, you know, same song, different verse. You, you can just tell, you know, the writing is on the wall. Mm. Mm. I uh, made the bold prediction at the beginning of 2018 that your Roma is going to reach the semifinals of the Champions League. I, I also said that they would have a path out of the group stage and into the knockout rounds because Atletico Madrid would, would, would disappoint. Um, so that happens. I'm hoping that I can, I can, I, you know, that I've, that I prob that that prediction might come through because you never know, but let's just focus on Shakhtar Donetsk. Let's focus on the second leg. Uh, I, I I see Roma winning this, and I see them winning this by two goals uh, at the Olimpico. I, you know, mentality, Di Francesco getting in the way, all that is all that aside. I think that uh, you know, I, I I see them on talent just being two goals better than Shakhtar and being able to get through to the last eight. What do you say? Yeah, you know what? I a part of me wants to say they'll go through. Um, I, gosh, I was in the Kuva Sud um, when they lost to Shakhtar in 2011 um, when Montella was the caretaker after uh, Ranieri was, was sacked. Mm. Um, and in that match, they got hammered at home. Uh, I believe it was 3-2 or 3-1. 3-2. Um, 
and I, I just fear for that just because I, I mean, I have PTSD regarding that match. They were terrible. <laughs> um, again, just from a pure talent standpoint, they should win. It's at home um, with the atmosphere, with the supporters. If they if they can get a big crowd, which they generally do for matches like this during the week, I, I think they will win. Um, so, I, yeah, you know, at 3-1, um, even though they've really found goals hard to come by uh, recently, they really should win. And I think they should, as you said, they should win by two. Um, the danger, though, is if you start, you know, the two to one that the last thing they need to do is go into extra time. Cause it, that's well, you know, I think they'll just fall apart. Should that happen? Mm, yeah. yeah. Let's, well, let's, well, let's hope it doesn't, um, you know, uh, I, I'm confident of them going through Richard. Uh, you like their chances too, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're. I think they'll do well at home. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that you know Eusebio Di Francesco can use some of that magic he used against Chelsea in this one, and um, I'm, I'm hoping that they get something like a four-one result or something. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Yeah, mm. yeah, four-one might be a little bit ambitious. So let's let's uh, let's get the first. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm one of those who say get the get get the first goal, keep them out, and you're and and you're there. So, uh, right. but like I said, I think they're I think they're going to be two goals better than Shakhtar here in the second leg. Yeah, I, I think there'll be goals for both teams. I'm going to go three one uh, to Rome. I won't necessarily get to four like you, Richard. The key is how uh-huh. early, how early do they score in that match? The longer it goes without scoring, the longer the more tension gets in that game, and the less chance they're going to have to pull a big victory out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, but I, I, I don't see Shakhtar sitting back, though. Um, I, I don't think they're built for that. Now, granted, just, that's when Roma really, 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 really struggle when sides sit back. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I really don't think Shakhtar are built that way. I don't think they have the defensive solidity to sit back. Um, right. uh, so hopefully they, they find the breakthrough. I, I just... With the mix of players they have right now, they're almost experimenting to find what their best formation is, which is, uh, again, still a worry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, just again, just from a pure talent standpoint, I mean, you th- I mean, if I were a betting man, I, I'd say they go through. But would I be shocked if they didn't? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens here. Uh, you, you know, I think we're all optimistic that they'll go through, but still. Uh, you know, it's 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 one of those where it's just uh, as they say on the knife edge. So, uh, getting back to the league, more salt on the wound for you, John. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Roma and Milan. That is the uh, marquee game of match week 26. Let's jump into it. Sometimes maybe good. Sometimes maybe shit. All right, so, uh, you know, going into this game, uh, you know, actually coming into match week 26 altogether, Roma were sitting in third. Um, Milan were sitting in seventh. A win for Roma would continue this push that they've gotten on uh, that I kind of felt that they would get on once that transfer window closed and it was discovered that Aiden Jekyll was still there, among others. Uh, you know, Milan winning all of a sudden makes these champ- these remaining Champions League positions a little more interesting uh, and invites a little more competition. A Milan loss, uh, and maybe Europa League would have been their only hope for a Champions League football next season. So uh, a lot on the line for both teams uh, in this game. And, uh, you know, certainly not without their challenges. Roma obviously having to make the long trip back from the Ukraine. Milan, maybe, you know, they had that Europa League game, but they had the fortune with a nice advantage of being able to rotate some players 
you know, but and 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 was Reno Gattuso's men really finally uh, ready to make that leap and get that what we would say is a signature win? Beating Sampdoria at home was nice. Uh, going to Roma and winning would just further cement his uh, his his status and his performance as manager. So uh, on we went. Uh, Roma certainly had more of the ball than Milan, especially in the first half. Uh, it just seemed like Richard every time Milan got forward. In the comments that I made um, on Twitter uh, at you know at halftime, was it just feels like when Milan did get possession, did go forward, it was just. They were, it, it was there. They were just one pass away every time. Was that what you felt when you, when you saw it? Yeah, I mean, the key indicator there was zero shots in the first half. Now, they seemed like they couldn't, when I was watching, it seemed like they couldn't string five passes together. But defensively, they seemed they were compact and they were doing the job. So it was fairly even at that point. But yeah, it just seemed like there was a lot for Milan to do because uh, there were some, there was opportunities there with passes, but they just kept, they couldn't string the passes together when they got the when they got the uh, chances like Chalhanolu had an opportunity he fumbled the ball away and Niangalan uh, lost it um, uh, got got the ball and so there, there was opportunities there they just couldn't couldn't pounce on it but um, I, I gotta tell you I was watching this game with um, with Milan Club DC and Roma Club DC and Curva America uh, in DC so it was it was a lot of fun times there hanging out with them uh, but yeah it was very high tensions in that game and at that bar when we were watching. Uh, going zero zero because Roma looked like they did have the the foot on the pedal a little bit, but uh, for the most part it was pretty even in that first half. Um, John Patrick Sheik gets the start over Aiden Jekyll. The exp- the only explanation I got for Aiden Jekyll not starting in this game is rest. Does that make you scratch your head a little bit? Because Roma don't have a game here in midweek. They've got an entire week off. Why not? If, why not put the Capocan and Yeri in here in such a big game? Yeah, he um. You know, Jekko has really struggled the last couple of weeks. Um, he was pretty poor against Shakhtar um, in the midweek. So I I wasn't shocked just because, I mean, we've gone six months now and Sheik uh, really hasn't been given many opportunities. Now, granted, he's been injured out of those six months, probably four and a half. Um, so really, he's only been available a month and a half. But, I mean, you're going to have to get a look at him at some point. I mean, in total, uh, Roma could potentially be on the hook for $42 million. So, I mean, I don't know of any other $42 million players that aren't really utilized um, to a great degree. So, I, you know, I can understand wanting to use him. Um, I, I just, it's, it's a head-scratcher in the manner in which they're using him. They've used him on the right wing. Um, you've had uh, Sampdoria manager Gianpaolo state a numerous amount of times the correct way to use him, and Di Francesco just fails to utilize him in the right way. Now, granted, <laughs> he plays a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three. Um, for me, the biggest problem was they reverted back to the four-three-three um, against Milan, which was that was more of a head scratcher for me than actually chic starting. Um, the problem, I, once I saw that lineup come out, I I knew Roma were in for trouble, to be quite honest. I myself looked at it and was pretty surprised. Uh, Richard, how about you? I mean, I was surprised that it was Sheik over Jekyll, even when... Yeah. I mean, I just, I look at it from, okay, you have the reigning Capocananieri and you're putting him on the bench in what is going to turn out to be a pretty important game here. Um, you know, Richard, what did you make of Roma's lineup when you, when you it surprised me? Well, obviously, Patrick Schick is obviously the head scratch there. You're like, that's not the position I would I would put him in. 
as a, as no. a striker. Um, but then, uh, I like that, I like, obviously, Chengizunder in there, but Perotti, I thought he would be better coming on as, off as a sub, but uh, is El Sharawi hurt? Is that why he didn't start? John? No, he, uh, they just, uh, Di Panacesco said he was in bad form. Um, I, I actually, earlier in the week, I, I had an inkling and I tweeted out that one of the players, so one of the attackers was actually going to have to be in the stands between Sheik Defrel, um, and El Shadawi against Shakhtar. One of them was going to have to be in the stands because you couldn't put all three. And El Shadawi was in the stands. You would think um, it'd be Defrel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even Sheik, I wouldn't have been surprised by, right. but, um, uh, Di Francesco mentioned he's not in a good moment. He's not up to form. He's not in great physical condition, which is just weird to me because, you know, for a team who's struggling to score goals, um, Pedalti offers you nothing, um, unless it's a penalty kick. And quite frankly, he's missed two of them <laughs> this year. So, right, right. um, I, I would have started El Shadawi regardless of the form he's in. But uh, for me, the biggest problem was, was the four three three as opposed to the four two three one, which uh, Roma have been doing quite well in, um, and actually have been scoring a lot more in versus the four three three, which has been giving them a lot of issues. And speaking mm. of form, uh, Nyongolan is not having the season he had last year. Obviously, last year was an immaculate season. You know what the things he did to carry Roma, uh, but this year it just seems like he's his level has dropped off completely, and it's it's aided by like the performance of this game where he like he had so many opportunities and he gave away a bad pass to Chalhanalu. Uh, at one point in this game, and he's just not the same player, it seems, as he was last year. No, he, and again, it stems to the formation. I mean, uh, Spalletti put him in that number 10 role. Now he's playing yeah, yeah, you know, in, in the middle of a 4-3-3, which I don't know how you could have even watched a tenth of the season he had last year and decide to move him out of that role. Um, I mean, he was a top 10 midfielder in the world. Now he's not even uh, Roma's best mid team. Um so it, it's it's a mixture of bad form. He's being deployed in the wrong position, and it's sort of just like a perfect storm of all this negativity for him. Um, but the problem with him is it's not even what he's doing. It is role-related, but he's just doing stupid things. Like you mentioned, that bad pass he had. Um, I mean, uh, Kessie, frankly, out-muscled him, out-hustled him the entire match. I mean, yeah. he completely pocketed him, um, which uh, Nangolan, I mean, that's sort of his trademark, right? I mean, that's what everyone knows him for, going up and down the pitch, um, yep. the slide tackles, the the, the grinta. Um, I mean, that was just not on display whatsoever. Mm. It would be nil-nil uh, at halftime. Uh, you know, teams certainly working to make their adjustments. And then the breakthrough came on 48 minutes uh, when uh, Suso played uh, a little bit of a cross into the penalty area. And Patrick Cutrone did this. Sponda per Cutrone. Suso va a cercare il movimento di Cutrone. Che passa davanti a tutti. Al 48esimo. Porta avanti il Milan. Richard, we keep saying it, all the money spent on Andre Silva and, uh, you know, whatever crazy faith they have in Nikola Kalinic, but this kid is always coming up with the goals. He has a nose for goal. He has that poacher mentality. And if this, does, if this goal doesn't cement him as a, as a, as a, the main striker for Milan, I don't know what will. Uh, he just, he's at the right place every time. He knows to make the perfect run. He knows where the ball is going to be. Uh, he's not, he's not going to be your, your Balotti type or Ronaldo or any of those guys. He says it's your, your classic poacher. He's there every time where you need him to be. People in Zaggy 
Yeah, or a we, little, bit, or too, or too, a little bit more athleticism. Or we're a little, or okay, yeah, we're a little, we're, we may be a little early before putting him on a pedestal like that, but, uh, but boy, sure looking that way. John, what did you see defensively from Roma, uh, you know, on, on, on that one? That was just an individual stake by Manolas. Um, like he's another guy that's been struggling terribly. Fazio he had a bad been, game. He had a bad game. Oh, yeah. he was terrible. And he was terrible midweek against Shakhtar as well. Um, you know, their entire back line is just having a horrible run of form. Fazio and Alisa are the only ones up to it right now. Kolarov uh, yeah. has really gone stale. Florenzi, Perez. Um, Roma really did not have a right back whatsoever right now, which, again, is sort of a head-scratcher from Di Francesco. You think you would try and find a system to sort of mask uh, those deficiencies at right back. But, um, yeah, Manolas, um, you can't get beat like that. Uh, I mean, he's got one of the best recovery speeds in the entire league, um, not only as a defender, but just throughout all positions. I mean, he is so quick. Um, but to get beat to the ball like that uh, is simply inexcusable. Uh, it was a neat finish from Cutrone, though. But, yeah, go ahead, Richard. And up to that point, you know, it was funny because uh, in the first half, I thought Suzo was one of the worst performers for Milan in the game. And someone, yeah. when I was at the bar, was like, oh, sub him off. I'm like, no, he just needs one moment of brilliance, and that was it right there. I agreed there. I, you know, to your point about right back, uh, 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 John, you know, and I know that uh, Spalletti deputized um, Rudiger when Rudiger was with Roma. I mean, it, it, at this point, do you just say, hey, it can't hurt to deputize someone like a Juan Jesus at that spot? I mean, you're not going to get you're not going to get him going forward. You're not going to get the overlapping and the crossing. You know, you're not going to get those qualities from him. But maybe you'll have the, some of the defensive uh, qualities there. And it gives a young player in front of him like a Chen Jizun there just freedom to just go ahead and stay forward. Yeah, I would do something similar to that. Um, I mean, really, when Spalletti did that, it's almost identical to what Juve do with Barzaghi. I mean, they yeah. put him at right back, but he's not really right back. It's more so just a three in the back. Um, but on paper, it's a four for the back. I mean, they, they've got to try something because they're, they're getting nothing from that position. And if you put, a, you know, um, a natural central defender at that position, at least you're getting the defensive solidity. Um, now, obviously, you're losing something in attack, but they, they just have to change something because he it, it can't continue like this. Um, Florenzi was uh, was at fault for the first goal against Shakhtar. Um, Perez was actually not that bad against Milan, um, but going forward, I mean, he, he didn't offer anything. So um, just to mask that, yeah, that, in my opinion, they should at least try something different. Yeah. Di Francesco would uh, make some substitutions here to try to get some sort of spark going forward. Uh, Ranjan Angolan was substituted for Aiden Jekyll in the 70, in the 64th minute. Uh, and then in the 73rd, Chenji's Under was uh, brought off for Gregoire Defrel after a very nice run for Chenji's Under, relatively ineffective in this game. Um, and then just a minute after that substitution, uh, a... Brilliant run from Davide Calabria. Nikola Kalinic picks him out, and Calabria does this. Kalinic, chiude il triangolo con Calabria. Tocco sotto, era doppio Milan. Davide Calabria al 74esimo per il suo primo bellissimo gol in Serie A team. Richard, one of the banter guys on Twitter called him Cafubria. I think we're, I think there is where we need to pump the brakes just a little bit. Just a little bit. It was a beautiful finish. About what about the pass by Kalinic? I was, I was uh, making fun of him all since he came into the game. I was making fun of him. Like, why is this guy on? And he makes that beautiful pass. I'm like, okay, 
I take it back. But he yeah. had a finish by Calabria and then a celebration to top it all off. Uh, he's coming to his own now. And if that doesn't tell the rest of Milan fans that he is, should be the number one right back over oh, over Abate, not Conte, but over Abate, then, yeah. uh, definitely, you know, that, I don't know what, what's going to convince you because uh, he's getting better and better each week and he can play on the left side or the right side. So, Well, when Conte gets back to fitness, uh, Gattuso is going to have a real decision on his hands, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it, just uh, th- that seemed to put it away. The game ended 2-0 uh, to Milan, and, you know, certainly a contrast in emotions. Uh, Roma faithful booing their side off the pitch. The the uh, traveling support that came there. Players were getting over there. They were throwing their jerseys, uh, you know, to the crowd. So there were some, uh, there were some lucky fans going home with some souvenirs. Uh, it's all to do. But, uh, you know, John, let's come back to Roma on this. Um, you know... I made the comment, okay, the January window shut. Jacko's still there. Uh, this isn't, you know, and I looked at, I looked at Roma, uh, Inter, and I looked at Lazio. And if we wanted to just limit the remaining two Champions League places to those three teams, I really thought Roma would be the safest because their talisman was still there. There was enough there that they could pull away and that I thought Lazio and Inter, as they went on, would have their issues. Um, this defeat, I mean, how do you look at this at this point? I mean, is this a, a, a setback? They'll pick themselves back up and start accumulating more points and lock one of these places? Or, you know, it sounds like from some of the dialogue we're having, there's some real causes for concern. Yeah, you know, I, I think they're in a fight uh, for a Champions League place. Um, I mean, frankly, the only saving grace to this entire toward run of form is how bad Inter has been. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Roma have given them three months to just pull away with the spot. And Spalletti and the rest of his side, they have not taken it. So, um, I mean, if they were even semi-competent, they would be well-positioned in third place. And Roma would be fighting with Lazio for that final spot. Um, They're in a real, real fight. And if you look at their upcoming schedule, it's very difficult. If they can somehow weather the storm, though, um, it gets much, much easier when you get into March and April, whereas Inter, um, their schedule is very, very difficult. So they go away to San Paolo, um, which is going to, I mean, they're not going to get anything out of that, um, in my opinion. Um, although they won their 3-1 last year, which was just uh, a huge, huge surprise. But yeah. Um, you know, given the form that that Napoli are, and you know, I don't think anyone is counting them uh, to give anything from that. Um, and then they got Torino at home, so yeah, they just got to weather the storm. Um, I, I am I am concerned, but really, um, you know, once you get past that Torino game, it gets significantly easier. Whereas again, to, uh, Inter, Lazio, they have much more difficult schedules, so. I, you know, given the two, you know, the calendars versus those other two teams, I'd certainly take Roma's. But I mean, look at what they did in November, December against the likes of Genoa, Kievo. Um, they weren't able to get three points. So, uh, you know, I, I am greatly concerned. Um, and not just from a, you know, a short term, oh, you know, they don't qualify for the Champions League, but. Um, my goodness, just, I mean, we've, you know, everyone knows the position, uh, Roma are in with financial fair play. Um, I mean, missing out on the Champions League, um, I mean, I'll guarantee it right now, Alisson is gone before the 30th of June. Yeah. Um, John, as a, as a, what do you think of the, 
the realistic opportunity, realistic chances that you know Roma, uh, Inter, and Lazio should worry about, say, Milan and Sampdoria and even Atalanta trying to catch them at this point. I think Milan are obviously the biggest threat, um, but uh, you know, if I were Milan, the problem they're going to run into is. Do we focus solely on Europa League or do we focus yeah. on City A? Because quite frankly, um, just given the the layout of the current uh, Europa League, uh, the teams left, I would give them a fantastic chance to win it. Um, mm-hmm. So if I were Gattuso, um, I would frankly would be prioritizing the Europa League because, in my opinion, they're better than Arsenal. Um the other sides that are strong, um, I mean, they're going to make the Champions League anyway. The only one that comes to mind that might not is Dortmund, just because it's a very tight race right now in Germany. Um, but uh, Atletico, they're going to make the Champions League. They're, I mean, they're going to cement a position without any problems. Um, so I can't imagine that they're going to prioritize the Europa League, uh, you know, particularly that I think after the two transfers today, they have 17 outfield players. And I had to do a double take on that because I thought that was a joke, but it's actually true. It's absolutely insane. So, um, you know, as the weeks drag on here, if if I were Gattuso, um, I would start prioritizing the Europa League because, in my opinion, they're one of the two favorites, if not the favorite, to win the competition along with Dortmund. And they've certainly had a relatively easy, uh, you know, up to this point. Let me let me just ask a bit about Roma here, and then Richard will talk a little bit of Milan and their and their win. And it's, this was a signature win for Milan. Um, would if you knew you'd have champion? Okay, if okay, let me just let me just phrase this, John. If to to make sure they could get Champions League football next season, be in that third or fourth position, would you accept sacrificing uh, your place in this competition now, losing to Shakhtar in the round of 16 to lighten up that fixture list so it's one less thing to worry about? Oh, undoubtedly, yes. Yeah, because I'm a big – I'm a um... – I'm a big believer in if you're not going to win the whole thing, what's the point? (laughs) I mean, now now from Roma standpoint, um, just because their budget is so sensitive, you have financial fair play, that extra money in the next round is crucial. Um, I mean, particularly if Juve get knocked out, they get the entire pot um, from the Italian standpoint. So, you know, if, if, if you came to me and said, you know, you can advance to the next, you can advance to the quarterfinals, but I can't guarantee you a place next season in the Champions League. Um, I'm obviously taking, let's get knocked out now and guarantee us a place next season. Um, without question, I wouldn't even hesitate at that. Okay. Okay. Just interesting there. Um, Richard, uh, just, uh, let's get, I mean, cause I know we, we have John on and, and obviously a lot of Roma focus here today, but, uh, I mean, Milan here, this is, this is the signature win under Reno Gattuso. I mean, Milan Twitter are just absolutely losing their minds right now. Um, I made a hot take here only seven games into the second half of the season. Uh, and maybe it's not a hot take, but Hakan Chalanolu, um, if he's not the most improved player in the second half of this season in Serie A, he's certainly in the picture. 
No, and absolutely, and I and I he's arguably the second best player on the team uh, behind Suzo. And I was saying that before, like when I was like, this guy has all the talent in the world. Is given on the pitch. No one was giving him pitch time. Uh, finally, Gattuso was giving him pitch time, and now you're seeing the fruits of the labor. Uh, he's starting to perform out there. He's got he's a wing. His option on the left hand side as opposed to so Suzo on the right. Uh, so he's finally he's finally getting into momentum things. Um, the rest of the guys are playing better, like Cassie, Bilia, uh, Romagnoli. For goodness sake, is is turning is turning heads now uh, along there with Bonucci. Uh, obviously, Calabria is having such a great performance and Cotrone. Uh, but uh, Chalhanolu is uh, is his passing ability. He's got a lethal shot, and obviously his free his free kick uh, abilities uh, are are without question for sure. And he's uh, he's he's helped Milan on this win, and for sure, like you said, this is this is a signature win. The big knock before this game was. Yes, Milan are on our, on their win streak, but who have they beaten? Sampdoria at, at San Siro, whoop de doo. Uh, so everyone knew that if, if they're going to, if they weren't, they were serious about their intentions, they'd have to show up against Roma, and, and they did. Uh, first half wasn't, it wasn't that great of a performance, but whatever Gattuso said or did at halftime, his adjustments, uh, it totally changed the game in the second half. Well, I thought that Sampdoria win was a big deal, uh, but but oh, I did you, too. I did too. But most you apparently, you you apparently have very high, very high standards. Of, <laughs> so it's like we're living in two thousand and seven or something. Uh, John, um, oh, this is I, I. Every time I got John, I got to rub salt in the wounds. Alessio Romagnoli was a Roma man. Is this one? I mean, Roma has always had a reputation for just you know you know selling and making profit on players, but this one. You know, judging how he's been playing the form he's in, and you just mentioned uh, Manolas's poor display over the last couple of games. I'm sure Romagnoli's a guy you would love to still have. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, certainly now uh, he's certainly come into form. Uh, I mean, the last couple of seasons, though, I don't think anyone was really clamoring for him. Now, granted, he was still young, um, certainly could have grown into his own. But yeah, I mean, undoubtedly, um, Roma could use him now. Um, I mean, given where we are in the transfer market environment, uh, that $25 million, I mean, at the time, I, I thought for Roma it was actually a great deal. Um, but again, given where we are now, um, that is peanuts, frankly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, Richard, we had a question from one of our listeners, um, actually a past guest. Yeah, Michael Lisi, uh, and this question is for really the panel. Um Romagnoli, as we're talking about, uh, he, his performances that he's putting out in the last, during this winning streak, really, uh, he's, he's starting to show himself, uh, as a, a really good defender. So Michael Lisi is asking, uh, is, is Romagnoli the best defender in Syria? If not, right, I mean, not in the league, but right, at least right now during this streak. I, I'm still, I don't know what you, how you feel, John. I'm going to just put Koulibaly ahead of him, considering what's around him at Napoli and how they can still win and get clean sheets in certain games. Yeah, during the latest run too, um, Benassia has been incredible for Juve. Um, yeah, I mean they're not missing Bonucci at all. Um, yeah. Frankly, a former Roma defender that one hurts more than Romagnoli, mm. uh, simply because Benassia has been incredible. Um, he's been sensational the last two months for Juve. Yeah, yeah, definitely. On this run, I think uh, Romagnoli. Is doing exceptionally well right now, but it's it's also a part of Bonucci becoming a real good is playing well again. So the combination is what is kind of helping him and the both of them really to feed off each other. Uh, but if you're looking at overall in the league, uh, there's still it's still a ways for me to get someone past Koulibaly. I, I just I I rate him so high um, for the last couple of years now. So 
Um, his run right now, he's looking, he's playing really well, and I hope he keeps it up. He keeps it up, then he can certainly be in the, in the name, uh, in the, in the makings to be in the top defenders in the league. But, uh, good for him right now. I just keep progressing. That's all it is right now. Just keep progressing. He's trying to look like Nesta a little bit, little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could say, you could say any of those three defenders during this current run, and I don't think anyone would fight you. So, um, well, John, uh, before we, uh, before we turn you loose, uh, let's give you a chance to, uh, you know, plug anything that you're up to these days. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Uh, website is romapress.us. Uh, and then we got the Roma Press podcast. You can find it on SoundCloud, um, as well as iTunes. Uh, really just, uh, trying to get through this tough batch here. We got a, uh, Roma got a lot of important games coming up here. Um, really, they just got to try and weather the storm. So we'll, uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed and hopefully they can make it into the Champions League. Frankly, I would love to see five Italian teams in the Champions League. I really hope Milan uh, win the Europa League. I, I think that'd be fantastic. That would be great. That would be great. And, uh, you know, I know it's tough times right now, and he was maybe a little disappointing on Sunday night. i got to tell you what, I'm very impressed with what I've seen recently from Chenji Zunder. I think you have a good one uh, there. Hopefully he can continue to grow. Yeah, brilliant player. Um, yep. I mean, the big knock that we heard over the last, gosh, a month or two was just how Roma never replaced Salah. Um, those uh, those whispers have certainly quieted down over the last few weeks just because Under has been absolutely sensational. Yep, yep, indeed. Indeed. Well, John, as always, it was a pleasure having you on the Serie A sit-down. Thank you for, for making some time for us. And next time we get you on, we will get you on when Roma have a game that they will win. Uh, uh, yes, I, I'm yeah. going to hold you to that because I'm tired of having to take <laughs> crap from you guys. <laughs> Thank you, John. John, great stuff. Thank you for being on. All right, everybody, that was John Solano once again. Go to at uh, uh, AS Roma Press for more on uh, Roma uh, and his views. Um, let's uh, let's. There were other games, Richard. Believe it or not. Why we? Why don't we get into them? Yeah, let's do it. All right, rest of match week 26. Okay, let's get to one that postponed. Apparently, uh, Juventus doesn't like playing in the snow, uh, or maybe Atalanta doesn't like playing in the snow. But, you know, if you're in a town near the Alps, this shouldn't come as a shock, should it, Richard? <laughs> no, so. I mean it doesn't happen that often, but yeah, what a what a snowstorm they had there. Uh, they showed a picture of Gigi in the snow, and then just the field was completely covered in white. Yeah, um, it was amazing to see, but yeah, it's unfortunate there was no game being played. Yeah, and I guess uh, the snow made its way further down the peninsula. Did you see? I mean, there's an awesome picture uh, of the Coliseum, um, you know, kind of with the snowfall around it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't you know, see that. Yeah, that's uh, pretty good stuff. So. I want to say it was Gattuso's. It was Gattuso. It was the. It was the storm after the game, just, just <laughs> punishing the capital. But that would be exaggerating things just a little bit. So, um, you know, be lucky, be happy. I, I did not. I was considering actually opening this podcast with singing uh, Travis Tritt's "Great Day to Be Alive," <laughs> but uh, uh, that would have been done just, to five listeners then. Well, that's just it, and the listeners would have turned the pot <laughs> off, and they wouldn't have heard anything else. They wouldn't have heard Solano's views on Roma, and you know, it, it, so I, I spared everybody uh, uh, that level of misery. So, uh, so we got through Roma Milan. Juve Atalanta was very easy, as there was uh, uh, as there was no um, 
no game there. Uh, the uh, the Jay was uh, snow covered. Uh, so let's get to the games that did get played. Everything did start on Saturday. We had Bologna playing host uh, to Genoa. Bologna kind of in a consolidated position. Nothing to worry about. Same with Genoa. Uh, you know, so more than anything, maybe these two teams were playing for pride. It was uh, nil-nil at halftime, but then Bologna got the breakthrough through Mattia Destro in the 49th minute. Cesar Folletti in the 72nd for a 2-0 win over Genoa. Uh, Richard, that stops a rather impressive run from, from Genoa, but, uh, you know, credit to Bologna that they're, uh, you know, they're still, uh, they're still trying to kick through this thing. Yeah. Donadoni and his men, they attacked Genoa all game long and, uh, they, they really took it to Genoa. And that's kind of the way you have to go after Genoa because they're, like you said, they're, they're, it's like being in a dentist chair. Uh, and so you gotta, if you, you know, you're gonna be in for a fight, take it to them. Yep. Try to wear mm-hmm. them out. And that's what they did. And, uh, big goals in that game. And, uh, yeah, good job for uh, Donadoni and his men to get the, the big three points and give him a three-point lead over uh, Genoa. I mean, and more impressive in the fact that Genoa, you know, managed wins at Lazio and beat Inter, uh, you know, uh, went to the J and held held Juventus to one goal uh, in a 1-0 defeat. So Genoa had been uh, clipping along pretty well here, uh, you know, with some, uh, with some pretty good results. So, uh, you know, Bologna getting the win, uh, that result... Uh, put them at in in twelfth on thirty three points. Genoa holding at thirteenth on thirty points. So uh, moving on on Saturday, uh, the other game uh, featuring Inter and Benevento, uh, not as easy as you would think. No, um, Benevento did make life difficult on Inter. Inter just insipid. Did you watch any of this? Yeah, Benevento was taking it to them in the first half. Uh, I yeah. thought they were going to get get a goal there. They came close a couple times. Yeah, it was uh, not pleasant if you were an Inter supporter and uh, not the kind of game you want to play. Uh, maybe looking ahead to the derby, uh, you know, next weekend uh, against Milan. That's certainly a possibility. Uh, but uh, in the second half, since uh, Ader doesn't know how to s- score goals, really scored a couple goals recently, but. Since he was having his struggles, the center backs were, you know, finally had had enough. Uh, Milan Skriniar scoring in the 66, and then Andrea Rinocchia, three minutes later, Andrea Rinocchia making up for that just awful own goal uh, in the loss to Genoa. Yeah, uh, and he was wearing a captain's armband for all. That was crazy. I didn't expect that. Yeah, was he? Is he? He must have compromising pictures of Spalletti too. So, <laughs> very possible. He's probably just he's probably just following Spalletti around. You promised me I'd be captain. You promised me I'd be captain. Yeah. And Spalletti said, "Well, we're playing Benevento at home. Okay, you can be captain today." <laughs> so <laughs> that's probably how that conversation went. So Benevento, ugh, bad news—a defeat here against Inter, where they were they were kind of in with the shot with the way they were playing. Worse news: uh, teams that they're trying to. Uh, you know, teams that they're trying to fight their way out of with uh, were winners. So, yeah, uh, not not good for them. And let's get to those games, uh, starting with uh, Spall traveling to Crotone. Spall, you know, had been pretty much uh, locked in at 18th here, uh, you know, for quite some time. And uh, a Crotone team that, you know, if, if they're going to if Spall are going to have any hope of survival here, they have to, they had to win this game. Um and it was uh, Crotone who actually uh, came out firing first. A couple of good chances. Alex Nevitt made some nice saves. Uh, a nice turn and finish from Mirko Antonucci in the 37th minute puts Fall ahead. Uh, and then for Crotone, it would be Ante Budimir equalizing at 1-1. Uh, but don't get too happy if you're Crotone because two minutes later, Lorenko Simic scoring uh, to put Spall ahead 2-1. Alberto Poloski making it 3-1. 
uh, before a Budimir consolation brace in the 86 minute three two between yeah. two teams yeah. that you would have you would not have thought for your life would have had a game that finished three two. No, and uh, it was actually a very entertaining game. You know, up, up coming to this game, Crotone looked like they would have been safe, you know, in the season this year, but that win now puts them in, in jeopardy and back in the relegation fight. Um, good for Spall. Uh, the Antonucci, like his goal was very nice. Cordaz played terrible. He's trying to play his way back into the crap on a cracker team. Yeah, um, after some nice performances re- in yeah, recent weeks too. Yeah, but it, uh, it was a it was a pretty entertaining game actually, and then good for Spall to win on the road. Um, it was definitely a good performance. It was a high energy game. It wasn't a the sit back zero zero game one zero game that you that we we were thought we might have saw going into this, but three two. Yeah, good good for them. Yeah, great to see a relegation six-pointer when two teams really, really have a go at it. You know, usually you see it being a lot more cagey and a lot tighter, um, but uh, certainly that was not the case. Uh, so then we get into the uh, multi-calcio, and let's get into that other relegation struggle at the moment. Hellas Verona uh, playing host to Torino, and I am going to attribute this to a Torino, uh, a Darby della Mole hangover, if you will. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Hellas Verona striking first through Mattia Velotti in the 12th minute. That would be the score at halftime. Mbain Yang uh, equalizing for Torino in the 49th uh, with uh, Mattia Velotti actually getting a brace and pulling Hellas Verona ahead. Uh, boy, they needed if with, with Spall winning, with Crotone losing, Hellas Verona desperately needed these three points. Caught Torino at a good time. My question is... Where, what the heck happened to Andrea Bolotti in this game? Yeah, he, he on the Niangle, he was playing more like a setup man, but yeah, he's just, was, he wasn't as uh, prevalent as he was in the last game, the last game, two games, really. Yeah. Um, it just seems that maybe maybe Verona, Hellas found a way to get him out of the game, and Iago Falke was obviously there, and Niang, but um, Bolotti, yeah, you, you, very, you rarely heard his name mentioned during the game. And Torino, Torino, we can probably say, are now on the rails as far as any chance for uh, European qualification after that loss. Yeah, yeah, that was a bad loss to have. Uh, you don't want to lose to a team like who are in a relegation battle like uh, Hellas Verona. Right. Uh, Torino, they're, they're helter-skelter. You know, some games are good, some games are bad, and you can never predict it with them, and they, there's another prime example why. Right, right, indeed. And, uh, yeah, just a, just a disappointing, uh, disappointing follow-up to... You know, at least a little bit of a fight against Juventus. Um, you know, in the in, in the derby, uh, you know, playing that game tight. Um, but uh, to follow that up with a defeat at a team that is sitting in the in the drop zone, uh, certainly certainly not good on Torino. Very very interesting to see, you know, how they play out the stretch here uh, under Walter Mazzotti. So. Uh, moving on, we had Fiorentina hosting Chievo. Chievo, another team that. Well, they got a critical win over Cagliari, uh, you know, last week. Um, you know, so they, you know, on the point total that they're at 25, that's relatively safe. But uh, the Spall win will make them sweat a little bit. Uh, going at Fiorentina and losing by a goal to nil will make them sweat a little bit more. Uh, what else can you say? Screamer from Cristiano Baraghi in the sixth minute. And Nice goal from him, and boy, he's having a very, you know, coming from Empoli, uh, coming over there to play for Fiorentina, was it Empoli or Pescara? I think it was Pescara. It was Pescara. Okay, it was one of those, one of the two teams that were dropped. But anyway, um, he's quietly put together a nice season at the left back spot for Fiorentina, and a nice goal, and he's, uh, you know, rewarded for his efforts. 
Yeah, no, it, it was a very nice goal. I was actually, when I was at the bar watching the, the Milan game, I was actually having an Italian conversation with an, an older gentleman from, from, from the Tuscany region. And so Fiorentina's his team, so we're talking about the game. He was really disappointed about how they performed against Kievo because Kievo are obviously playing really bad this year. So if they couldn't beat them, they could barely beat them. You know, what does it say about your team? But, uh, no, he was, he was, he was glowing brightly about Biragi and, and the play that he had. He's, he's been doing this season and that goal was a prime example of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how how you can be mad about uh, 14 shots with eight on target. I know that Kievo had a little more possession in this game, but Fiorentina were very very direct in their, in their like approach. I told them, like I told them, three points is three points. You take it any way you can get it. Exactly, uh, exactly. So uh, this put Fiorentina, uh, well, it keeps them in 10th on 35 points, uh, or it moved them up to 10th, in fact, on 35 points, because the team that they jumped, Udinese, uh, traveled to Sampdoria, uh, you know, Sampdoria, obviously, we talked about, they obviously played before Milan, but wanting to try to hang on to that sixth uh, position, uh, which is the all-important remaining European place, yep. uh, unless seventh come in, comes into play based on how Coppa Italia shakes out, uh, seventh could get rewarded a, rewarded a Europa League spot. Uh, but it was uh, Sampdoria getting out to the start, uh, Udinese having trouble in their uh, defensive end, trying to uh, get the ball cleared out. It got as far as Matias Silvestri, who put Sampdoria in front uh, by a goal to nil. But uh, the one that put it away is the one that we're impressed with. Uh, Duvan Zapata took Seiko Fofana to the races. Uh, beautifully lofted shot uh, over the goalkeeper, Bizzari, and uh, that sealed it for Sampdoria, a... Uh, Matias Silvestri felt sorry for Udinese, decided to put one in his own net right in the end. He's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart. Yeah, what a nice guy. <laughs> I mean, Valentine's, Valentine's Day is over. Why is he doing that? I so, uh, But uh, back on track for Giampaolo and uh, against a team that is uh, under, under Massimo Odo. Let's let's get to Udinese real quick first before we talk to yeah. Doria. Um, is it just... Is, 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 I mean, Otto, I think we're praising as a manager, but you look at this now, three straight defeats. Is he even finding that uh, this team has some limits that he can't overcome? I think it's a little bit of, you know, Syria has very tactical managers and they, they've had time to watch Udinese and now they're finding ways to slow them down a little bit. I mean, I thought Yakto Bianco yeah. had a fantastic game in this one. Uh, he was all over the place. Uh, Barak was there. Obviously, Fofana had some opportunities that he missed. Um, but it's, I don't think that Udinese are playing bad. I think that the other teams are just finding ways to get past them. Um, it seems like they're doing good enough that they're going to get, they're just, it's not going to last this losing streak. Um, Odo's going to find a way out of there and they're going to get some goals in it because I think it's about to come, bound to come because they've had their opportunities. They just missed them. Uh, just, just high and wide or it'd be a save. Uh, but Sampdoria, they, you know, they played very well. So you got to give them credit for the, for the win and, uh, Giampaolo is getting their guys back, you know, at that point, ahead of Milan and and trying to keep that sixth six position. Quick follow up on Udinese. What did you make of the Croatian kid on that team, Balic? I mean, every every time I've seen he's him good. play, he just flies around. Yeah, yeah. So he's been on my radar for a while now, and I, I think he's even changed his number uh, with them. But yeah, that shot. He had the one shot in the second half, I believe it was, um, a screamer that just missed it, uh, the far right post, low corner. Uh, he, yeah, he's he is a. Uh, He's a whirlwind out there, and he, he he's an instant spark plug for them and gets gives them good opportunities. If he can just figure out a way to start stringing the passes together, uh, get some goals in, uh, he could become uh, something, something very special. And Udinese have a habit of uh, finding these guys out of nowhere. Oh, I'm I'm sensing a new Richard Carmen article coming up for the World Football Index. So mm. <laughs> I'm, 
Maybe. We'll see. Um, uh, it did come at a cost for Sampdoria. Gaston Ramirez uh, left before halftime with an injury. Do we know any more? Um, but uh, saw him limping off at halftime. Nah, I haven't heard anything. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to look that up real quick. But, uh, you know, comment on Sampdoria's prospects uh, here. Uh, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, it's, you know, John obviously mentioned Milan are probably the most dangerous if you're going to look outside of Roma, Lazio, Inter for, uh, you know, to, to snag one of these Champions League spots. But uh, you got to think that... Uh, you got to think that uh, Sampdoria, they're they're on the same number of points as uh, as Milan. They're right in this, aren't they? Yeah, and their schedule is not as daunting as Milan's is coming up because um, Milan has obviously the Derby coming up. They also got Lazio. They got Arsenal. Uh, they got Juve also around on the horizon. Um, as for Sampdoria, uh, they have Atalanta coming up, but then they got Crotone, which is a winnable game. They have Inter, who have been faltering lately, which is a good, great opportunity for them and Milan to catch up. Um, and then Kievo and then Genoa to round that up before facing Juve. So their schedule is a little bit easier than Milan right now. And they have the attacking prowess to, to scare up every team in the, in Serie A. They show what they did against Juventus earlier in the season. They have tailed off. However, um, Qualiarella is having a, a season of his career this year. Right. Um, you know, they got all the young players like Torreira, uh, Kovnacki, um, Lanetti, you know, um, Gianluca Caprari, their team is stacked with young players. So don't count them out just yet. Yes, Milan are, are looking like the team most capable of, of catching the, the three, three big teams ahead of them. Um, but Sampdoria, especially when they're at home, um, if they can get back, get that swagger back that they had early in the season, they could cause a lot of teams trouble down the stretch. Yes. Um, as is reading here that, uh, Massimo Otto seemed a little, uh, uh, seemed a little better. He felt Udinese was better than Sampdoria in this game. There's some argument for that. I watched a little bit of this, and uh, you know, from what I saw, you know, certainly Udinese weren't without their chances. Uh, but uh, yeah, to your points here, they're they're in it. I mean, Gianpaolo said, "Boy, we'd be we'd be among the best in Italy if we could figure out how to win more away matches too." Um, you know, so uh, nonetheless, uh, back on track and and, and beat a beat a decent opponent. So we'll see what this does for Sampdoria's prospects here going forward. Uh, where am I next? Oh yes. Lazio traveling to Sassuolo. Uh, and uh, this was the, uh, let's just say this was the Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. So. Lo scarico per Milinkovic che può tirare. Milinkovic! Arriva l'Eurogol di Milinkovic-Savic. L'ottavo in questa stagione. See Richard, we do have to throw in a, a legacy of Asan, especially with that goal. What a strike from him there in the seventh minute against Sassuolo. A deserving player deserves a deserving time on this show. Yeah, we got to <laughs> give him time the way he's been the season he's having, absolutely. Uh, but that put Lazio ahead by a goal to nil. Um, and then uh, there was shouts for handball there in the, uh, you know, just after the half hour mark. And uh, lo and behold, VAR was called into play. Um, yeah. And uh, they rewarded a penalty to Lazio that uh, Chiro Immobile would finish for his 23rd goal uh, of the Serie A season. Uh, with, uh, you know, let's get to that Chiro Immobile goal tracker, shall we? It's been a while. Let's dust, dust it off and let's we get, get to dust score. that off. All right. You know, it's got to warm up a little bit. So just, uh, just, just hang in there here. So, all right. So that's 23 goals through 20, 26 games, right? 23 divided by 26 equals that times 38. His pace is 33. Okay. 34 goals. All right. So it's okay. not that. Ex- yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be up there as one of the best strike rates of, of, you know, you know, of all time in Serie A. So, 
And uh, he's got a five-goal lead now on Icardi and six on Quagliarella. So, I mean, right now he's looking like the Capacanieri player, but, you know, we still got a bunch of the season left to go. Anything can happen. Uh, running away with it at the moment. And then it was Milinkovic Savic who got a brace uh, scoring um, in the 46th minute. And then uh, this would get a little heated. Uh, Domenico Berardi, and you got to feel for him with the season that Sassuolo's having and the talent that he has to offer. It's just... Uh, not been going well. Gets a second yellow. Or actually, it was a straight red. They didn't even bother yeah. with giving him the second yellow, 54th minute. And then uh, Adam Marusic is immediately just directly sent off in the 62nd. So men behaving badly in this one after Lazio had already taken care of business. Now, Marusic. Did you think either was a straight red? Because I didn't think they were reds to me. But, I mean, I guess, I guess the referee was trying to keep it under control. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah. At least he was consistent with both players, but both players being sent off. Well, he saw some chippiness apparently, or he saw something yeah. that going on, you know, within the nuances of the game that he felt that both of those decisions were straight reds. I, 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 I thought it was harsh. I mean, in case in Bernardi's case, it would have been a second yellow anyway. Um, okay, so I can see sent, that. Yeah, it would. Have, so he would have been sent off. But Marusic probably a yellow and probably should have been allowed to stay on. Now, Marusic does get to play in the second leg of the Coppa Italia because in Italy. The Reds do not carry, you know, league Correct. Reds don't carry over to Copa. So he'll be able to play in that second leg. So then you'll see Dusan Basta playing in the next league match, uh, in all likelihood, um, for, for Lazio in that game. But, uh, uh, the, the, the one guy I do want to talk about as far as Lazio is concerned right now, Richard, I know we can, we can heap all the praise we want about Sergei Milinkovic Savic, but, uh, are they that much danger because, that, that much more dangerous because of Felipe Anderson being back because he put on a clinic against Stawa in the uh, second leg of the Europa League and he had a one, he had a wonderful assist here for, uh, uh Milinkovic Savic's second goal. Yeah, like, like exactly like you said against Stal Bucharest, he was very good, and then this, this game as well. He is going to be big for them, um, especially for Lazio. You're going to need more players to step up as the season goes on because you guys are going to get tired. Um, so with him, with you know, it's good to have Luis Alberto, Milinkovic Savic, and, and Immobile pulling the strings, uh, but you do need some more help. And Felipe Anderson coming off, and now he's in, he's pretty much informed now, as if you can see the last couple games, um, just to have another another guy you could throw out there to to stifle the defenses push him back um give some guys a rest um he's looking like he hasn't missed a beat for a while i mean yeah he has has been on the bench because of the play of luis alberto this season but uh he's going to be instrumental for lazio to not only get that champions league spot but uh to continue on in the the europa league they're another team that you're gonna have to worry about because they've been they've been playing very well in europa league sassuolo yet to win a game in 2018 uh, ever since that upset win over Inter on dis- uh, just before Christmas. Uh, yeah. Draw, loss, draw, loss, loss, draw, loss, loss. Uh, and just, wow, one, two, three, only four goals scored in that run. Actually, three. Yeah, three. You thought the addition of uh, Kuma Babakar would help, but uh, he's he's almost got one goal since um, joining them, and I think he's has goal. Maybe does he have a goal? Maybe not. Um, uh, he scored last week in the loss to Bologna. Okay. Kind of didn't know about it. It was one of those that deflected. Yeah, that yeah, that's what it path. was. Yeah. So you thought he would have brought more goals to the team. Um, obviously, Pelotano's there, and he's, for whatever reason, the team is just struggling. And Berardi is a prime example of that. You know, get the red today or uh, yesterday. Um, it's yeah. just uh, typical yeah, of their frustra- the frustration yeah, with them. Yeah. I, it's would not, not a good have, sign with them. Would not for the life of me have thought 26 games into the season, Sassuolo would have only scored 15 goals. 
Um, just, you know, I, I got to say easily the most disappointing team in Serie A this season. Hands down. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's not even close. And now they're only three points above the drop. And I think you had a question uh, from one of our listeners regarding relegation. Yeah. Let me find that real quick. I had it. Uh, all right. So... We are on top of things tonight, aren't we? We're just, we are. We, we got to just go back and grab. They got to go back and read. <laughs> we don't have it. <laughs> Usually, we have it all sitting out in front of us, ready to rock, and now we have to go back and check things. And uh, yeah, this one came Monday. from. Uh, this one come from bag full of toffee, right? It did. And so he's asking. Uh, he wants to know more. Uh, more on the relegation battles. You know, the Spa and Verona. They're making things interesting. Uh, Sassuolo losing. Crotone losing. Now, when it looked like we definitely had three teams going to be in the drop. Um, now it's, it's a little bit of a race. We have, uh, okay, so we got Benevento in last in 20th place, Hellas with 19, Spal with 20, Crotone 21, Sassuolo 23. Uh, Cagliari and Chievo are safe for now. Um, but yeah, it would look like a three team race for the, for the drop. And now the way Sassuolo and Crotone have been playing lately, they are very much in the mix and, and could it be that Spal or Hellas uh, nicks one of them and, and, and gets survival? Uh, what do you think as far as Sassuolo and Crotone? Can, can they stave off elimination or relegation? I was a little concerned here when I first saw these, these, these series of questions that you sent over me. I thought Bagful of Toffee when he was saying SAS definitely need to pull their finger out. I thought he was saying, I thought he was referring to us. Seria, sit down. I was like, yeah, yeah, Sassuolo. <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> Anytime I see SAS now, I'm like, Syria, sit down. What? Yeah, like we 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 have. I think we probably cover these these lower level teams more than anybody that does this English speaking Syria podcast. So give us some credit here, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I, you know, I, nobody, anybody at anybody on 25 or less is not safe. I mean, uh, and we talked about Kievo getting a massive win over Cagliari to get to that, you know, to get to that number, but. All of these guys are in play for the drop. I mean, I think that it's still it is it's it's, it's really a bridge too far for Benevento. Eleven points yeah, no. out with twelve games to go. I just I, I think you know, and we've been talking for a long time that they should plan for life in Serie B. Um, you know, but Verona have suddenly popped up with some wins. Paul have popped up with some wins. You you definitely have to be worried about Sassuolo if these guys can't figure out how to get it together. And that's a that, that should be a pretty solid strike force with Politano. Babacar and, and Berardi. Now, maybe Politano, maybe Di Francesco just knew what buttons to push with them because he's been poor. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. So it's uh, it's just they're a frustrating one. Chievo, you got to think that that they're that they're coming back down to earth. I, this is anybody at twenty five or less right now is just not safe. I think Genoa is good to go on 30. I don't think they have a lot to worry about here. Bologna, 33. Udinese, 33. They're all good. Uh, they're, they're coming I like, back. I like Cagliari more than I like Chievo, but um, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's dogfire right now between... It's, it's six points that separates Hellas Verona at 19 and, and Cagliari at 25. So. And the thing, that, the thing that does trouble me, because I think I saw somebody talking about this on Twitter, and I don't know if they did a piece on them on Chievo, talking about being that team that just does the bare minimum to stay up and can get away with it because there's enough bad teams around them. Right. You know, yeah. That they just, you know, it's that old, you, you know, you, you, um, when you're, when you're underage and you, when you're underage and you get together with your buddies and doing, you're doing a little drinking at a neighborhood park and here come the cops. And, you know, it's one of those where, you know, you don't have to be faster than the police. You just have to be faster than one of your friends. You know, right, exactly. that's kind of what Kievo is right now. Um, you know, they're, they're just, 
you know, I, I agree with that. They're just they're just doing enough to they're just doing enough to stay up, you know. And eventually, that kind of attitude and that kind of approach is just going to come back and bite you. So, um, you know, it's just it, it's just a weird one. So another another team we have to add to this mix played today. Cagliari they were hosting Napoli. You know, Cagliari coming into this had 12 home matches and only had conceded 17 goals, and well, part of it is because they didn't they didn't host Napoli yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Um, but then the other part of it is, is that you had Napoli had to deal with this nuisance of having to go to Germany and play out this uh, second leg of the Europa League that they weren't interested in, um, but almost reversed, strangely. Yeah, almost, almost. Yeah, and then now coming back to have to travel to Sardinia, which we always say is tough, we kind of thought, I kind of thought, this, is a more, this might be a more interesting game than you think. Well, um, you know, the three up front decided decided to have other ideas because they all got on the score sheet. Uh, Jose Callejon in the 29th minute, Dries Mertens in the 42nd minute. Halftime, it was a 2-0 Napoli lead. Marek Hamšík adding to the fun in the 61st. Lorenzo Insigne getting a penalty in the 72nd. And Mario Rui rounding it off in the 90th. Uh, typical Napoli or typical Cagliari? Uh, typical Napoli. Uh, this game was actually very close until about the coin toss. Um, yeah, no, no, this is Napoli. This is Napoli through and through. I mean, this is what they do. They just demolish teams. And, and it's part also Cagliari because it's what Cagliari does too. They give up goals. Uh, but the, you, Napoli are, are just playing beautiful football this season. They have the last couple of seasons, but this season in particular, they, they're obviously on a mission. They knew that with, uh, Juventus not playing that they had a chance to extend the lead a little bit. Um, cause Juve had a big game against Atalanta that was called off or reserve or rescheduled, will be rescheduled. Uh, so they knew they had to make a statement in that game, and they did against Cagliari, putting up five goals. I'm surprised there's only five. They could have equaled the total yeah. of uh, goals that Cagliari allowed all season in that game. This was an absolute annihilation. Um, you know, and I don't know if Cagliari is looking at this as, hey, let's take our medicine and just focus on the other games to stay up. Um, but, uh, but boy, Napoli came out guns blazing in this one. And, and uh, good goal for Mario Ryu because uh, that's it's only going to – Give him confidence now as the season goes on. That's what you want as a, as a as a player to have more confidence. So a goal will definitely do that. Uh, I know we were saying that last week with Alexandro getting the goal. Uh, that could only boost his confidence. So th- the same thing have to do with uh, with Rui. And uh, yeah, the, the more games he gets to play, the yes, the the hurt of missing uh, Fazi Gulam is going to be a little bit less. But um, yeah, as long as you have someone who can be a competent uh, left back there to help out the uh, help out the attack and the defense. Um, that's only going to serve Napoli better in their and their and their goal of the season of getting Scudetto. And both fullbacks were very good in this game. Uh, Mario Riavi is getting the goal. Uh, Husai actually had an assist. Uh, I believe it was on Callejon's goal. Um, you know, so both of them were very active and, and and very much involved. And if they're getting overly involved and becoming part of the attack, it's it's you're you're, you're either you just have decided we're not we're not beating you and we're just going to stick all eleven guys in the penalty area or. Um, you know, you just can't keep the ball, and Napoli's pressing in the style the way they're playing. They're just, they're just overwhelming, and you know, it's clearly a game where Cagliari were in over their head at home. Um, I mean, just uh, 58% possession for Napoli, 15 chance, 15 shots with eight on target, five of them going in. Um, you know, just, uh, just a, just a complete Napoli performance, and uh, you know, probably one that they needed. But let me ask you, uh, let me ask you this question. Um, more surprising to you that uh, we talked about Sassuolo only 15 goals scored through 26 games this season. Is that more surprising to you or is it Napoli only conceding 15 goals through 26 games? 
Um, wow, that's that's a tough one. Um, it's a I'll say it's a draw because uh, I I expected uh, oh, to get don't, more goals. Don't don't you chicken out. You all right, fine, fine. I'll, I'll go with Napoli. Then. I'll go with Napoli <laughs> because. I didn't expect their defense to, to give up this many or give up this little amount of goals. They're what on par with Juventus, or they're right there with Juventus uh, as far as that yeah. number goes. And uh, so that's that's crazy. I mean, we knew Juventus is going to have a, a fantastic defense, so we didn't think Napoli would even come close defensively goals against, uh, but they did. And I guess the way you do it is by scoring more goals than the other opponent, and then they don't they just give up. Yeah. Um, so good good for them. Um, I, I'm not I wouldn't say that Napoli's defense is quite as good as Juventus, but they may have a better defender in, in their back four than Juventus does. That's up for debate. Yeah, and we we had that debate a little bit earlier when we we talked about Koulibaly, Benatia, and obviously Romagnoli. I, I, I'll agree with you. I think the Napoli 15 goals conceded because I think the knock on them was just, you know, yeah, you're going to get goals from them, but they're also going to give them up. And defensively, they have been, you know, in a league that's playing a lot more attacking football that's got teams going forward more. Uh, to see them at this point, I think that's a big reason why they're still ahead of Juventus in this race. And I forget that they've played an extra game, but they've you know only con- they've conceded just as many goals as Juve. Uh, and it's like you is, said, they learn how to win these ugly games too. One nothing, two one, right. two nothing. You know that's what they couldn't do last year. Yep, they've learned how to scratch out three points when they've had to when it, when when things aren't working to just find ways. And I think that that differentiates them from the previous Saudi teams at Napoli. So. Uh, which is why they've been able to to maintain this run so far. So, um, yeah, just a brilliant Napoli today. Catuso uh, just working wonders, and I'll 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 bask in my uh, my, uh, my 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 prognostication, saying, "Hey, this could work." <laughs> so, um, you know, quite proud of quite proud of uh, getting everybody calm and trying to say, uh, you know, guys, let's not let's not get too hasty here. I think Atusa might actually be a pretty good manager for Milan. Let's give this a chance. So that's one of the few people saying it. And it's nice to see they've got people now out there saying, boy, I was wrong about him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. At, least, at least everyone else is not saying, hey, I, th- I knew he was going to be like this. I'm glad people are saying, you know, you're right. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. I don't, we'll see. Uh, so yeah, I, th- that's one of those where I'll just kind of pat myself on the back for it. So who knows? I, I mean, it was, I, I won't, go crazy with it because it was kind of like a hypothetical scenario of why when i wrote that blog piece why it worked and uh or why it could work um you know sacking montella at the time they did and bringing in gattuso so um you know but uh, shameless plug that's available to read on the cultural consultant at worldfootballindex.com uh but uh that is the uh match week 26 recap we'll find out soon enough when the juventus at the Manta game will be replayed um but uh you know, same old, same old. Napoli, Juve fighting it out at the top. Lazio, Inter, Roma are going to have company now for uh, the fight for third and fourth here as we uh, as we get down the stretch. As both Sampdoria and Milan have uh, gotten this a little bit snug. Um, you know, I think that it's those five for the remaining two for the remaining two Champions League places. I think we could officially invite Sampdoria and Milan to the party, can't we? Yeah, it's 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 really close now. I think it's like six points now, so uh, it's close enough. I think. Yeah, I mean, there's six behind Roma, but seven behind Inter. You know, with twelve games to go. So and Milan has Milan has a derby coming up. Roma has a derby coming up. Uh, things could change very quickly, and and Sampdoria are still in the mix as well. So anything yeah. can happen when these teams start facing each other one on one. Quite interesting, and we were already talked at length about the relegation fight. So your guys' reaction to what you saw in match week twenty six. Uh, go to at Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. 
Uh, let's round this up with uh, Europa League draw and uh, little Coppa Italia predictions. All right, Europa League draw taking place um, after the uh, round of 32 matches concluded. We obviously have leg two of the Champions League round of 16 still coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, next week, we'll offer our predictions on what's going to happen in those games. Uh, we kind of hinted that we thought Roma would uh, win the second leg, but we'll get into greater detail with that next week. Uh, so, Richard, uh, round of 16, um, let's start with Lazio's draw. They will host Dinamo Kiev in the first leg. Uh, I, I'm penciling Lazio into the last eight. Dinamo Kiev had problems putting away AK Athens. Yeah, uh, and AK Athens did have a, a decent defense uh, in the group stages. Um, Milan obviously know that because they they play them. Uh, but Lazio, they're going to be a little bit too much for 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 Dinamo Kiev. Um, I'm sorry to say they had their they had a good run, but Lazio just have too much firepower. Um, you saw what they did to Salbukares in the second leg. Um, and what they did to Sassuolo. So uh, it's pretty easy. It, they got the easiest matchup of the Italian teams in, in the in the sec, in this in this round here. Uh, so it, I could I'll go ahead and pencil them in for the next round. Yeah, unless uh, Andrei Shevchenko and Sergei Rebrov uh, are walking through that door in their prime, I don't give I don't give Dinamo much of a chance. That doesn't mean I'm going to be disrespectful to them. I mean, yeah. Or or if, or if Yarmolenko decides that you know he wants to make a surprise return to Dinamo Kiev, at which he'd be cup tied anyway since he's played for Dortmund. Um, but you know, I mean, let's not totally sell Dinamo Kiev short. They've got some decent pieces. The Paraguayan Darlis Gonzalez is a decent player. Uh, Junior Marias up front. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so there are some. The, the left back uh, is solid. His name escapes me. Um, but uh, there are some pieces to this Dinamo side. But I just, on paper, Lazio are stronger, especially with Felipe Anderson starting to emerge. Uh, and if Inzaghi figures out how to fit him with Luis Alberto, with some of these other pieces, uh, this Lazio team is going to be too much to overcome. It's just going to be tricky when they go to the Ukraine. Uh, so objectively, Lazio, and I'm sure Vittorio will will uh, attest to this from Lazio Lounge, um, th- they need to put Dinamo away in the first leg uh, so that that trip to the Ukraine isn't too uncomfortable exactly um, you know that they need to get it down to business win by you know three goals you know basically punish dinamo for being relatively mediocre in this competition especially in that round of 32 against ike athens um but the uh, the other one was uh well it's uh it's interesting milan and arsenal yeah. giddy, giddy up these these are right now when you tight look at where they're at in the standings they need this competition especially uh john talking about milan uh in particular uh, good news, Milan are in very good form. Further help, Arsenal can't use Aubameyang. Um, Alexander Lacazette likely won't be ready in time. Uh, so they're dealing with, um, they're dealing with Welbeck up front, which I, I'm sorry, uh, you know, and I, I, you, Welbeck trying to navigate around uh, Bonucci and Romagnoli in the form that those guys are in. Uh, I, I, usually I would be nervous about this tie, but the more that I've digested it, I, I like Milan's chances, even with the fact, even with Arsenal playing their strongest team, you know, you know, we won't see Ashley Maitland Niles. We won't see, uh, Willock. We won't see some of those guys. We'll see Mesut Ozil. We'll see Granit Xhaka. Uh, you know, we'll see some of these guys that are still there, but I think the form that Milan are in, if they take this seriously, 
Um, I, I'm going to give the edge to AC Milan, and that's not biased. That's just what I'm seeing from from both teams. Yeah, coming into this turn, coming into this season, uh, those Milan and uh, Arsenal were the two favorites for the Europa League finals. Uh, now they're squaring off here, and uh, yeah, the four Milan is in. Their defense is what you got to look at, and Milan has given up four goals in, to Ingatusto since so far. I think 19 goals, four four against, something like that. Um, that's 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 amazing for Milan because they were leaking in goals all season. Uh, so you got, you got Rovignoli and, and Bonucci and, and, uh, Calabria and Rodriguez now playing well as a unit. Um, I don't, I don't fancy the attack that Arsenal has. Yes, they can score, no doubt. They, they're mid, they have a good midfield. Um, but they, they don't pose as, as much danger as they could have, uh, if they still had, if they had the use of Aubameyang or if they still had Giroud. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like Milan in this. Yeah, I'm not 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 necessarily worried. Now, about I'm not. Now, I don't think it's going to be two wins for Milan. I think it'll be uh, a win and then a draw or something close in the, in the second game. Yeah, where's, where's the where's the first leg at? Arsenal. Uh, the first leg's at the San Siro. Oh, San Siro. Okay. Yeah. So I would. I I think Milan. What they need to do coming to that, and going to that game is keep keep uh, Arsenal from scoring an away goal. Obviously, that's the that's number one. Uh, but get it. Come away with a victory and yeah. make it. Don't make it a one goal victory. Make it a two goal victory if you can. Um. You want to have as much cushions you can going into the Emirates because uh, anything can happen in European nights. We've seen that before. Uh, with, though you know Arsenal are not Liverpool in Europe, in Europe um, the, anything can happen. So better be safe than sorry. Absolutely. Um, huh. What was I going to say? I just don't want Milan to win the first leg four nil and then go back to the Emirates and fall behind three nil at halftime. Like we've seen ne- that. We've seen that play. My before. heart. My heart couldn't take that. Again, that was that was not even that was not even enjoyable to sit through. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. You know, and then it took some big time saves from Abiati in the second half. Uh, Huge saves to qualify. So, <laughs> you know, I'll you know we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I, I this is not going to be Arsenal's strongest team, and obviously with some departures, Sanchez left in January. So did Giroud. Um, so it's, and, 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 you know, Walcott was a contributor during the group stage run, not to say that he was going to see pitch time in a, in a, uh, in a tie like this, uh, you know, but he's out of that equation too. So there are some, there are, there are some less things to worry about, uh, you know, for Milan. It's not your, it's not your typical arsenal. So, um, you know, so we'll see what happens with that. So we both like Lazio and Milan to make it to the last eight of the Europa League. Uh, quickly, uh, Richard, uh, Coppa Italia, second leg, uh, Juve will host Atalanta with a 1-0 advantage, assuming they can shovel all that snow out of there. Um, and then, uh, you have, uh, Lazio hosting Milan. How do you like those games? Well, Juve have the 1-0 lead going to the J or Alliance Stadium. It's going to be, depending if they can get the snow off the pitch, uh, it'll be very difficult for Atalanta. Can they do it? Yes. Uh, they're one of the few teams this season that uh, they show how good they are both home and away. Um, so they are more than capable of getting, the, getting a result like Lazio did early in the season. Will they get the result? Um, I think we're going to see Juve, uh, Juve that's going to do just enough. I, I could see maybe a 1-1 draw and then Juve advance on away goals mm. um, in this one. But I, I don't think it's going to be uh, – I don't think either team's going to win by more than a goal. Yeah, I, But I, I see a draw – through and through and then in the Lazio Milan game um Milan have obviously already just showed this past weekend that they can win in Rome um so they stay there and they they play Lazio who are hosting first game was 0-0 uh we didn't have a score in that one but 
Um, I feel that Milan, both teams are playing really well right now. Um, but I think the way Milan's defense is going, defense wins. Um, I think Milan, uh, find a way to get one on the road. Uh, sorry, Marcus Adams. I know you don't want to hear that, but, um, I think Milan come away with a one goal win in that. Mm. Now I'll start with the Lazio Milan game because I'm toward, I think he, well, let me get Juve out to Lanta on the way. I'll go one nil to Juve. So they'll win two nil on aggregate. Um, they're just not giving up goals. Uh, I mean, the Tottenham game, uh, an outlier. So, um, and then, uh, the Lazio Milan game, I just have this suspicion that, you know, would they, would Milan love to win the Coppa Italia? Of course. And under different circumstances, I think they would, you know, they would make a real push for this competition, but with the Derby coming up just after, um, I see a lot of players maybe having an eye on the Derby. Um, and I just feel like it's a total trap spot for their chances in the Coppa Italia where I think Lazio are going to win this game. Um, and I think they will win 2-1. Um, so I think what we will have for the Coppa Italia final is a repeat of the uh, Supercoppa of Juve and Lazio. Uh, I don't want to say that as a Milan fan, but I think that the Derby coming up and edging closer to a um, a, a rival for the Champions League places at this point is a higher priority that that's a front you compete on along with the Europa League. And, uh, I just think mentally, I think that our guys are, you know, as Milan, as a Milan saying that as a Milan fan, I think our guys are just going to be, uh, looking ahead a little bit. So, uh, so I'm going to go with a Juve Lazio final. You're going with a Juve Milan final. So, uh, I won't be bothered with either outcome. I think they would, I would think they would both make excellent finals. So, uh, and then finally, the Derby, Derby della Madonina, that is on uh, Sunday night. And then you also have uh, Napoli Roma. Quick predictions on those? Ooh, Napoli Roma. Napoli is hosting, correct? Yeah, that's at the San Paolo. Ooh, uh, yeah. Um, with Roma's loss, I'm not too confident in that they can get in a result to bounce back. Uh, I'm going to say, ooh, uh, I'm going to say 3 1 Napoli. Three one Napoli. Yeah. And, uh, I think I think Allison keeps I think Allison keeps Roma in this. I don't think it'll be a I don't think that Napoli will blow Roma away. Um I'm gonna go two one to Napoli. Uh I'll give Roma a goal here. Uh so Imagine if Roma gets a win and really puts a fork in this race for the Scudetto. Uh, yeah, that would uh that would be something. So and uh I mean we're not we're, I mean we don't need to waste any time. Milan are gonna win the derby on Sunday, right? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I got Cutrone getting the winner. Yeah. For yeah, the second like, time against Inter. Just like in the Copa. 1 0 to Milan with Cutrone getting the winner. That'll work for me. Well, that'll put a bow on this edition of the Serie A sit down. Uh, Richard, uh, plug away. Anything you're up to? Yeah. Uh, as you kind of alluded to earlier, I am working on a piece on Udinese's Balic. Uh, he's a young player that I am very interested in for a while now. And so it's about time I get right a piece on him. So that'll come out soon. Um, other than that, um, you know, you can find me obviously at the Duna Shaka podcast, but more importantly, you can find me here at Syria Sit Down and, and you, I, I'll continue on with my pieces for the uh, Young Stars of Italian Football, which would include this uh, Balic piece that's coming up. I'm looking forward to reading that. I, cause, I mean, the, the, I've, I've probably watched him a handful of times and I've been impressed every time I've seen him. So um, certainly a rising star, but, you know, what else is there with Udinese? They seem to find these guys from out of nowhere. Uh, you can find me at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. Follow me there. Uh, the Calcio Consultant on worldfootballindex.com. I've been on a little bit of a hiatus from 
writing stuff. Like I said, I was inspired to write a piece on, uh, on Dejan Savicevic and then a, uh, uh, another fellow beat me to it and he wrote an excellent piece. So I just said, okay, I'll scrap those plans. Uh, so, and just tell everybody to go read that. Uh, but, um, uh, I will, uh, I will, uh, cook up something here in the next, uh, in the next few days, just had some, uh, just some work and family, family things going on that, uh, just, uh, everything's getting away from me and I can't do everything all in <laughs> all within the time frame that I'm given in this life. So, uh, so we'll, 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 we'll get back on a, we'll get back on with a cultural consultant piece soon. Be on the lookout for that. So, uh, otherwise you go to at city, I'll sit down on Twitter or Instagram, future topics, any, any questions, anything you want us to, uh, cover in the future, please, uh, please go ahead. Um, and, uh, and, uh, give us some ideas. We'd love to, we'd love to talk about them. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening to us again. Uh, thanks to John Solano for uh, joining us and talking uh, a few things with Roma and, uh, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Thank you.